Hey guys, Dean here from Real People Real Estate and I have with me again Ben from Eden Homelands. Hey Ben, how you doing? Very good, thanks for having me again. No, no problem. Look, um, last time we went into um, a little bit of the why you're doing, doing um, first homeowners stuff, uh, as well as preparing for your homeowner basically um, in terms of documents that you need or um, statements and all those other bits and pieces. So uh, check that out, check that video out if you do want to know more about that. But today I thought it would be cool to have a bit of a discussion about using the equity in your owner-occupied home, so the home that you're living in, to purchase an investment property. Because I think um, occasionally some people don't understand the, the basically what they can do uh, and how much equity they have got in their, in their own life by that. So can you give us just a, a little bit of a rundown on, on that? Yeah, sure. So, like I said, a lot of people don't realise that they may already be in a position to buy an investment property. So you speak to a lot of people, they love the idea of buying an investment property, but they think that just like when they bought their first home, they need to save like 20% deposit yep. and fees. But a lot of people, as you know, are sitting on significant equity in their existing property, which can in fact be used to, to uh, tap into to pay the deposit on the investment property. So you can use both properties to secure the one you've already got and the property that you're purchasing. Now, now that, that doesn't actually mean you're taking out a loan on your property when you're an occupier. What that basically is just using that as a form of security guarantee. That's right. Um, and then your uh, investment loan is actually the one that has that debt, so to speak. Yeah, so you, you can borrow the full amount of the investment property, all the government fees and charges, which is significant. And if you've still got some debt, also when I go into taxation advice, um, yeah. people often like to pay whatever they can into their own home and then just Perhaps even pay interest only on their loan that they've taken out for the investment property oh, to yeah, get a better outcome from a taxation perspective. Okay. Consult your accountant now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always talk to the accountant. Um, okay, so when they're using the equity from the property, uh, from their owner occupied to, to purchase an investment property, um, one question that I hear a lot uh, is. Um, or one thing, or one statement, I guess you could say, is that I get is, uh, but I can't afford to pay for two mortgages. Yeah, I think that what, what a lot of people forget though is that they're going to get rental income as well, mm. and the bank factors that in. So when people make that application, it's not just the income they're getting from their jobs. They've also got to take into consideration the anticipated rental income, which. Yep. The banks will be very favourable, up to eight percent of the actual income. Okay. And then also, and again, we've got to be careful not getting over to the accountant's space. But you can also get some tax returns as well, which you can prove your cash flow and help out with the repayments. So okay. again, speak to your accountant. But yeah. yeah, don't don't think that it can't be done because obviously, yeah, your rental income um, helps you with your mortgage. And, and some properties you can source, as you know, where there's very little difference between the rent and the mortgage payments, especially when interest rates are you know, getting down into the you know, 3% territory. 
Well, I mean, especially, um, now we won't go too much into this subject, but when we talk about positive and negative gearing, um, a, a lot of properties, especially out, out north where we, where we are obviously based in Smithfield, um, we've got a lot of investors where their, their properties are actually positively geared, which basically means uh, that the rent covers the, the mortgage yeah. uh, repayments, um, which is obviously fantastic and, and helps to, to jump. So just say I've, I've got my first, I've, I've got my home, I've got my, the, the home that I live in, I've then used the equity to buy an investment property. Um, what if I want to buy another one in three years? Can I use the equity from the investment property so you, you can actually use the investment property? Yeah, yeah. And it depends how much equity you've established in that three year period. If, if it's at a time when you know, the property market's rising rapidly, then equity can build up quite quickly. If it's, a, if it's a time where property prices are plateauing, it's a little bit more difficult to build up that equity. So there's, there's no one definitive answer, it depends on the circumstances. But absolutely, once you've established more equity, you can rewire it. And that's what all professional investors do. Yeah, so they, they basically use their investment to, to purchase another investment and so forth. Yeah. Now, say um, you've got some people who are uncomfortable about having their home on the connected to their investments as a, as a long-term strategy. Um, can you remove it afterwards? Because obviously you've got a 30-year loan or 25-year loan or whatever it is for the investment property. Can you remove your... Absolutely. Yeah. So, once you've got 20% equity in your investment property, you can then release any relationship with your own home if, if that's your, your preference or if you want to sell your own home. You know, circumstances change over time, but yeah, it's not it's not a set and forget quite challenging. Yeah. Once you've developed that equity, you, you can release the uh, link to your own home quite So then obviously it, it mitigates any further risk, uh, I guess you could say, by removing that that as a um, you know, matter of security yeah. and, and then I think what that does is, is you know, leaves people with some sort of level of comfort. Yeah. Um, I think investment properties and owner occupied and equity and all those sorts of things um, I think can get quite confusing especially with the significant changes we've seen just in the last five years I guess you could say. Um, in, in that in that market, yeah. um, and you know we're, we're seeing it now. I guess where you're seeing the properties that uh, people have purchased five, six, seven years ago, um, with all the market fluctuations and all that sort of stuff, um, they're struggling to make those repayments. Or, um, and I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, is uh, interest-only loans that people did a long time ago and now coming up for um, they're actually they're ending I guess you could say uh, and they're going to principal and interest mm -hmm. and um, a lot of the bank's policies correct me if I'm wrong um, and this is no form of advice it's just I'm pretty sure it's fact um, and being confirmed but uh, you there's certain specifications on whether you're actually allowed to go interest only again mm -hmm. uh, with certain lenders, I guess, well, I don't know if it's all of them or if it's just certain ones, uh, but for example, if you've had five, ten or whatever it is years, 
you're not allowed to do that again with that lender because of yeah. some government changes. It's lender by lender, but yeah. typically if you've had a lot of people have a five year interest only term that expires and they go for another five years, but you are once you get to ten, the bank will ask you to start paying principal and interest payments. Uh, so and a lot of people are in that phase right now because five and ten years ago interest only was a lot more popular. Uh, yeah. So nowadays um, there's a, a pricing differential between interest only lending and principal interest lending. So the banks are discouraging it yeah. somewhat. Principal interest is more attractive to them, and again, we hark back to the Royal Commission and responsible lending requirements. So, interest only is absolutely still available, but you will pay a slight premium for it. Yeah. And you also have a strategy of what you will do at the end. You need to be able to make sure that you can afford the principal interest payments if you're forcing to pay principal interest payments at yeah. the interest only period. So, because, yeah, if a loan is 30 years and you've said I'm only going to pay interest for five of those years. Effectively, you just brought yourself to a 25 year loan term, is that? That's absolutely correct. And that's what they're worried about. That's what they're worried about. And that's what the banks factor in when you take out that loan. They calculate your repayments and when you can service it on a 25 year loan, not yes. a 30 year loan. Okay, so then that, that affects your affordability, I guess. Yeah. Um, which can obviously make the difference between what sort of investment property you want. Yeah, how much you can borrow. Yeah. So. Um, which, which obviously concerns some people depending on what you are going to buy. Yeah, and that's, that's why it's a good idea to have a chat with an accountant, a good mortgage broker, to, to see which strategy you're going to adopt. It's a little bit more to the courses, really. It's no yeah. one size fits all, so hence you need to have conversations with professionals and specialise. Yeah, no, well, of course. I think, um, you, know, you know, like I've said multiple times in this video, I'm going to say again, the, the, significant changes that have had over these last five years have, I guess, bottlenecked things from a certain point of view and some uh, people who would like to invest that don't know about potentially using the equity in your own home is still available. Uh, interest only is still there, but it's, it's fun a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, you know, before, I believe, uh, the affordability side of things um, with interest only wasn't calculated like it is now. So, you know, b before an interest only loan, you could say that it was interest only and borrow more money. Yeah, because, yeah. So because, that's, that's reverse 100%. Yeah, so, um, you know, for any of those at, at home who sort of are grasping to, to are struggling to grasp, sorry, why their bankers all of a sudden says, no, that's, you know, we're going to, you know, it's a whole 180 now, it's a whole flip yeah. uh, as to what was happening. And so that's, the, that's the reason why, and, and you know, we've had these royal commissions. And, and yeah, and I also put a limit on how much interest on you could be done with a while back as well. Yeah. So that's getting nice a little bit. So. Yeah, so that's, that's one interesting uh, thing I think that people uh, maybe haven't heard about as much is that there is a limitation on how many, um, and you're gonna to have to correct me uh, or potentially guide this, but there's a limitation on how many investment properties a bank can have on their book, is that right? Uh, it's more around interest only, not being more than 30% of their own portfolio. Yeah. That's been relaxed a little bit. 
and also for a while banks weren't allowed to grow their investment property by more than 10% year on year, but again, that's been relaxed a little bit as well. Okay. But the legacy of that is interest rate lending is still uh, priced a little bit differently. Yeah, and that's why the interest rates are. We still do pay a premium for interest rate lending, but it still makes sense in a lot of instances. Yeah, so still, still viable and again. Speak to your accountant to see what will work out for yourselves uh, and see what we'll do from there. Um, but before we wrap up, and is there anything else that you've got to add? Yeah, probably some some amazing offers at the moment from the major banks. So yeah. again, we talked about the Royal Commission. The Royal Commission, people really um, strayed away from the major banks. They went to some of the smaller lenders with their money. So the bank, the big banks lost market share. So essentially they're buying it back at the moment. Yeah. So they're offering $4,000 to refinance one of the banks, and other banks offering $3,000 per security property. So for okay. investors, you might have four, four properties, you'll get a $12,000 cash tax-free bonus to refinance. Right, so straight into their account. Straight into their bank account. Right. Within two months of settlement. Uh, another bank came out this week offering $4,000 to refinance. So, and when you use a mortgage broker, we do all the work for you, so give us the paperwork. We, we do all the, the legwork running around, and you end up probably with a better rate. Yep. Um, and also, we get that cash back. And the other thing uh, for people to be aware of is what we call a loyalty tax. So, banks offer great incentives for people to join. Once you've been there for a couple of years, your interest rate won't be as sharp as what the new, new borrowers are. So, they, they take advantage of the fact that you can get a little bit lazy with our existing loans and you will be paying too much for it. So if you're investors out there, if you're paying something with four in front of it, you're paying significantly too much. It's, yeah. it's time to have a chat and get that down into the low throws. Yeah, so once the money. investment money, you can get to that low three. Yeah, money. and with cash back. So yeah, well, we, especially four properties and you get $12,000. Um, not that this is a promotional thing or anything, no. but, um, you know, we were just, we talked um, last time about uh, lenders' mortgage insurance, as an example, costing potentially $13,000. That's right. You know, and then you've got all, all these other offset benefits. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it can be pretty significant. Yeah, so really important to um, do a health check on, on your lending portfolios once a year, I probably. Yeah, it's chance they pay too much. I see it every day. So, so with your customers, as an example, um, what's your process in terms of uh, you um, send a customer, you sign them up to uh, Bank X, as an example. Um, do you tend to follow those customers up after uh, a certain period of time and say, "Hey, uh, I still think this is the this is the best rate." Um, what I, I follow them like at least annually, so yeah. from so on the settlement day, I'll diarise to contact them on the anniversary of that one every year, and and people do change around as well. So and after one year, it's important to send a pricing request through their existing bank and say, hey, is that the best rate you can do? Because if it's not, then they may move again. So and banks are very cognizant of that. So yeah, uh, but if you don't contact them, they will take advantage of that without. Shadow of the Yeah, okay. Um, but no, that's good, that's good follow-up. And that's, that's um, you know, one of the core values that we have here is, is obviously trying to do the best by the, 
but Colin and, and all of that, so, you know, and then proactively following them up, yeah. um, you know, and trying to get them a better deal, but there's no, um, I guess you could say, benefit in use necessarily, sending that pricing stuff through, that's a, that's a service. It's a value add. Yeah, it's a value add at the end of the day, and, and a service, service offer. Yeah, um, correct. So, no, no, that's, that's really good. But anyway, Ben, thanks very much for coming again. That's been my pleasure. Um, thanks, guys. Look, again, Dan from Real People Real Estate. Check out the last video that we did with Ben that was uh, posted a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. See you later.